All right. Nice and quick. Streamlined. No <laughs> tangents. <laughs> Super quick. Noah, we're going to do this one really quick. And In and out we're not in get distracted. Minutes. In and out. Not getting distracted. Uh, we're not going to expand on anything longer than it needs to be expanded upon. Uh, brevity. We're brevity. not going to have any theological debates. <laughs> brevity and conciseness and saying things in a shorter amount of time than they need to be said. You know, that actually reminds the me. the soul of wit. William Shakespeare, yeah, brevity is the soul of wit. And, and really, I think we should talk about the Shakespearean moments within Saga. Um, so if you turn to Macbeth, <laughs> Act 4, Scene 3. <laughs> Already there. <laughs> now I need to actually look up uh, Macbeth Act 4 scene okay. 3 and see what happens. This is, you know, I'm going to make an exception for this. this is actually important that you do this. Uh, <laughs> but while you do that, I just want to reiterate, we can't go over the same stuff over and over. We got to be concise. <laughs> we got to we got in and out. We got to be quick about it. We haven't even done the intro, so this is literally just us riffing for ourselves, right? <laughs> Until I add it. Hey, guys, guys, and otherwise, this is Jonathan O'Roselion. <laughs> and I'm Noah, also known as Polyphonic, and you're listening to Horns and Wings, the podcast where we talk about Saga, one issue at a time. Nice. And we're we're, we're talking about issue 21, right? 21, yeah. We can, yeah. We can get drink in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the issue that can legally drink in your backwards country <laughs> and you know what much like a scene in this very issue uh this episode is going to be a lot like great sex while being worlds apart uh which is why i am <laughs> naked hey let's do this one Hey, me too. <laughs> the, the upsetting thing is that I believe you. <laughs> the upsetting thing is that I'm not lying. <laughs> Noah, what's on the front of, of this issue? This issue is phenomenal. Um, it is Dango, very stylized in black and white. Yeah. Um, and he's got a skull on his television screen, and he is mopping the floor with what seems to be blood. I, I think this might be the most stylized cover we've gotten. Right? Yeah. Like, well, it's 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 that very brush stroke uh style for the uh for the blood. And and it really just speaks to like like we've talked about before, Fiona Staples' ability to do horror. Like this is mm -hmm. such a beautiful horror cover. And just the creepy skeletal grin on his face. Yeah. Also I like that it it seems like the blood is coming from the the mop. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. Uh and I, I'm sure you can't see this on the omnibus one, but the uh the title of it is the the saga is in black so it's like a black on a a sort Dark of gray gray a deep gray which is like sort of eye catching the opposite of eye catching 101 but yeah it, but still it draws even more attention to the red so i think it it works even better uh but yeah this is this is such a good one and uh and then what's our opening splash uh, opening splash. You know what? Let's just get into it because I feel like the opening splash is there's not much to dwell on. It's another great. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's another great. Uh, what do you call that when you go into a scene in the middle of it? The uh, French a, shit. 
mise-en-scene. No, wait. That's... No, not mise-en-scene. <laughs> it's uh, in media res. There we that's go. That's the one. Uh, it's also a great fourth wall break. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is Alana looking right at us eating cereal, specifically cactos, which, you know what? I just now remember, as I said, that that was a cereal in the Will's ship that was like. Oh, yeah, it was. Into, yeah, that was the one he was eating the fruit loops uh and she says yeah fuck it i quit directly to us oh and she's wearing like uh like a sexy black gown nightgown version of her her usual outfit uh, with the mask yeah with the black mask and uh we turn the page and we see that we are on the set of the open circuit and she's talking to yuma not us and yuma is literally painting the set to life we're in a kitchen and and she's taking it's almost like she's it's like she's painting on what would you say like a digital uh yeah wireframe yeah Yeah, it it almost looks like like a really big tablet yeah no this is this is she's painting on her massive surface pro and uh but she has just like a paintbrush that she's she's painting onto this digital and it's just yeah a literal set that's appearing it's very cool uh and so she she says that uh, this is hardly the most degrading uh, get up the producers have stuffed you in, uh, but Alana is expressing disdain for having to do product placement, and Yuma has a great line: "The circuit is show business, not show charity." <laughs> they they continue to to debate the the validity of of uh, pushing this quote uh, toxic waste that I'd uh, never let my own daughter touch. Uh, and then the oh yeah the Spartan soldier that we lady who we saw I yep. believe last issue is also in a in a sort of what do you call that a bustier is that a word yeah something like that yeah and it is I this the visual comedy of this is just hilarious <laughs> it is yeah no this is this is such a fucking mad libs of a situation right now uh, and so she comes in saying uh, I need um concert tickets for tonight hook a sister up to yuma and yuma explains that alana's cool that she uh she can ask for drugs in front of her uh and we find out that that uh the trojan helmet lady is uh getting high during their scene and she's doing it specifically because it's a product placement dumb scene this is where alana decides hey Let's try this out. Well, she's going to get high, too, during the scene. She says, God, this is the first scene of every boring cautionary tale ever. And Yuma points out, don't believe everything you learned in school. Most jobs are impossible to do without drugs. And then the very uh, this is a very important voiceover that I kind of want to dive into immediately because it's it's a, a slight... Uh, it's, it's not unrelated to the rest of the scene. But uh, Hazel's voiceover says... Mom never talked about this stage of her life much, and I'm going to say that that is the first time, like, in terms of wording, because the wording's already always very specific about yeah. the the living state of Alana. <laughs> I'm going to say that this is the first time that it, it seems grammatically likely that whenever this is being written, Alana is either dead or like very estranged from her daughter at least like not in her life anymore for her to say my mom never talked about this stage 
of her life instead of my mom never talks about this stage of her life very that's much. true that's that is interesting because yeah it's it's always been very very specific and very like intentional uh how it's worded but i this is and i've been paying very close attention to it but this sincerely seems like whenever this is being written alana is no longer with us which i don't want to think about i'd rather that wasn't the case yeah but this this seems kind of because yeah before it's like yeah mom never mom's mom never came back here but i did with grandma and stuff and and it's it's there's always been room for room for doubt and also i don't especially put it like that whole uh the idea of her being estranged from hazel seems the exact type of heartbreaking that brian Vaughn would do uh, especially looking at the endings of his other long-running series, like I totally buy that being a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I don't know. <laughs> That's just worth pointing out, I guess. I also think just uh, again, uh, this whole this whole open circuit gives us such a like fun metatextual peek into artistry and talking about sponsorships. And again, yeah. just like like being a YouTuber now reading this, this just relates to me. I relate so hard to this. Yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, man, I like how Yuma, Yuma is by far the most artistic character, like straight up. She's a straight up artist. Yeah. Yeah. And she is the most sort of cynical about art that we've seen yeah. at all. And her her line struck me so much that uh, the circuit is show business, not show charity. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's very, uh, there's a lot of disillusionment yeah. happening yeah. here when it comes to art, which again was the thing that was sort of hyped up as the answer to everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's about it for this scene. Uh, I believe so. Oh, one other thing is that she says that you're paying 3600 a month, uh, to, uh, park your, she implies rocket ship wherever they're parked. Uh, and there's no dollar sign or anything. It's just the number 3600. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I, I like that as like, you don't need to know or care. And I'm not, yeah, it, do- it doesn't it need to say credits or yeah. dollars or yeah, galactic just, currency. <laughs> yeah. It just makes sense and you get it. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? All right, so we get that a uh, trademarked uh, THN, mm-hmm. and it goes to she'd just say that kids don't need to know everything about their parents, but sooner or later we all find out anyways, and <laughs> we get this amazing panel, <laughs> a close up on like chubby baby Hazel's face saying smash. <laughs> And then we pull out, and she's riding Frendo around, chasing uh, what looks like um, uh, Ginny's daughter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, who we learn is named Eka, uh, actually, in the next oh, yeah. panel. And we just get this kind of nice little conversation uh, between Marco and Ginny, uh, just talking about Frendo, how they got Frendo, and just kind of talking about uh being a parent and what alana does and stuff like that um and marco almost says alana but then corrects himself to alexis um uh saying that uh she doesn't really talk shop and then Ginny says sounds like henry uh a healthy marriage needs a few secrets right 
and puts her leg on Marco's thigh. Not not high on his thigh. Let's her, let's her just, hand. Not her yeah, leg. that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> we forgot to mention that Noah is an alien. <laughs> the humans the, the humans have top legs and bottom legs, yeah. right? Yeah. Puts her hand on Marco's thigh. Um and then is interrupted by a call of mom. I think Hazel had a big accident and Hazel is covered in piss. Um and says, I had a big accident. <laughs> Ginny says that she's going to go get Hazel changed. But Marco says, uh, no, like grabs Hazel, says, uh, we were about to head home anyways. I'll get her cleaned up. Um, and then Ginny says, uh, but we'll still see you tomorrow for dance class. Um, and then smiles and says tomorrow then. And we get some Hazel narration that says, from the moment it's formed, a family is almost always under attack. Yeah, which is ex- that's exactly how I see this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really interesting, though, because I think that almost frames seems to frame Ginny as like a like bad negative force. But I think textually Ginny comes off just really sympathetic. I'm well, here's the thing is I'm I'm sincerely torn on this. And actually, we got an interesting comment on our, our on our last episode uh, in reference to whether or not Marco was flirting and what was happening in that scene, uh, Odd Amy, frequent commenter. Says, oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, uh, Amy. Says, I'm with John. I don't think Marco was flirting. He's just sincere. Uh, being funny and being yourself does not mean you're flirting. Take it from someone who is hilarious all the time and romantic. <laughs> never. Uh, he probably shouldn't have danced, though, which is very valid. Uh, and, yeah, I do think, like... It, that's why I, I love that line of being under attack so much is because I feel like he is the least inclined person to cheat on someone ever. Uh, but also between what's going on with Alana and and how just sort of sympathetic Ginny uh, uh, is. And all the stress of raising a kid and everything. This is the like textbook uh, life trying as hard as it can to push you to do something that you know you should not do. I I think though I I'm gonna push back on the flirting thing because I think being yourself and affable and friendly isn't necessarily flirting. But when someone is overtly flirting to you, and you respond in that way, you're flirting back. Whether you want to be or not. I'm going to push back on that because I feel like just especially from maybe a female perspective, I can't tell you how many I hear Haley works in a coffee shop and there's a lot of times I'll sit and hang out in the coffee shop to work uh, because I get free coffee. And uh, and there are multiple times where like a guy will flirt with her and she'll say something nice back but is not but like there are a lot of people who are just like i want to say something nice to you to make you to both shut you down but not sort of offend you or upset you in any way because it can be scary to be in that situation but they're saying nice things back and then there's like like it's not like marco was like oh no thank you i won't dance with you marco was like uh, l- l- like like Marco is being playful back. He's not specifically just being nice. Uh, I, right? I'd say I'd say that he's he's 
sort of giving and again this is as a socially awkward person i i feel like it is hyper relatable if if someone is like hey you want to do this thing i feel like i have to at least come up with a charming and way to say no without making them hate me <laughs> i feel like i think i think i just I just find it really troubling that the narrative context that we're discussing this and it seems like the story is trying to is trying to kind of push us in this direction too. Maybe this is something I'll criticize Brian K. Vaughn for is oh, what a poor what a poor man. He's being assaulted by this homewrecker trying to break his family apart. It's like Marco has fucking agency in this. Like Marco's Marco is not just this this poor innocent guy. Marco has killed children. Like he knows the way the world works. Mm -hmm. Like well, I I just I I I really I really just have a lot of trouble with. I feel like a lot of the time narratives around a woman having affairs are oh look at this homewrecker, mm -hmm. and I I really just don't buy that trope. Yeah no no, no. I, I here's the thing. This is I, I think that that's not especially happening here. I think I think what a lot of this this is for me is the most moral character we have um, being challenged morally in yeah. a very nuanced and gradual sense, uh, because here, she specifically says in reference to her marriage, uh, a healthy marriage needs a few secrets, right? And also, uh, but when he's on the road, we trust each other to live our lives. And she touches his his knee, and uh, and that's a very because there are people with with open relationships yes. and stuff. Yes, and that's also not necessarily morally wrong if they're doing it in a healthy way. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I, I think that specifically, and she's not. I, it, it seems more like a, like, here's me subtly letting you know sort yeah. of thing. And not at all like, a, here's, like, I've, I've trapped you <laughs> or anything. Uh, and I, I think that, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of, I think that it's, if anything, Brian K. Vaughn is going further out of his way than most, because he's clearly aiming for a, challenging marco's uh sort of devotion to his wife here loyalty to his wife um but i i think that he's he's gone out of his way more than most things do to make this character to make it as understandable as possible if he does that and not ill-intentioned i think that that's true um and i'm i'm fine with reading the under attack as situationally under attack but yeah. i just want to be really kind of cognizant going forward of i i just i do not buy the narrative and and i don't want the narrative to be framed as oh poor marco um he's just trying to do his best and this home wrecker is trying to break up his family yeah, yeah. which i don't think is what you were saying but i right. definitely think that that's a that's an avenue of dialogue that this uh that this arc does uh open itself up to if you will yeah and i mean and it's the same with this the same with uh what's happening with Alana, or it seems like the path that she's going down right now is she's finding her her release or her her vice with drugs, uh, where it's like it is a personal 
Troy, like, well, she was actively yeah. not pressured into it, and she was whining yeah. about not being pressured into it. Uh, and, and it has been all personal choices for her. And I think that both of these storylines are are very sort of symmetrical in that yeah. way, where it is, uh, it is. I think that she's diving headfirst into it way more than than Marco is. It's very Walton Skyler. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much so. Uh, and and the, I I think that a lot of them is like, I think that's what makes them both interesting is that neither of them are being they both have a lot of autonomy in in yes. their situations. Yeah. Uh and and yeah, I I would definitely I mean if they're if they're setting him up to potentially cheat on his wife, like you can't make that there's no way to make that sincerely sympathetic in an, like some sort of absolute way. And there's going yeah. to be autonomy there short of him being sexually assaulted that yeah. uh that I think that you know, I I think that he's he's doing a good job putting the temptation there. Which also it's it's very it's very a, a little distinction to make. If someone is sexually sexually assaulted, they are not oh, yeah. cheating on a partner. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't cheat non consensually. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's I think again, and this is, I love that we're getting we we get into this stuff because it, this is such a we're talking about Innocuous a goofy sci fi thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is it, it literally we just watched a scene where a plant lady sells drugs to a trojan soldier in a skimpy outfit and and we're talking about like the yeah the nuance of of like adultery <laughs> and, and yeah so i i think that there's there's a lot of ways to uh to sort of interpret uh marco's headspace and we'll never truly understand that because he's not our narrator uh and and i think that his i don't know i think he has a a sort of guilty expression throughout this whole scene just about um which is very interesting because that sort of i think that sort of implies more than just about anything else as to yeah where he is mentally uh but yeah, I think I think if anything, if anything uh going forward it is that they're putting in putting us in such a good emotional headspace of I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I know what I don't want to happen, but <laughs> but I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh and whatever will happen will probably because right now where we're at, he could cheat on her or not cheat on her and i would understand both of those and I, they would yeah. both be believable and that's a great yeah. place to be in terms of writing but can we please talk about noah can we please yeah. talk about the comical perfection that is the opening panel here yeah yeah where hazel has such a almost like ordering an execution yeah. saying smash yeah. commanding smash and when we find out she's playing with a, with another girl and she is so she is so confident in her, I also in just her command love how tiny she is on friendo's back <laughs> yeah this is i i love that they they have already given her uh because this is what like three issues where she can yeah. talk and they've already given her such a distinct personality. Yeah. Which is such a rarity for she's what, two or three? 
And I think it's interesting because not only is it distinct, but it also falls completely in line with how you understand her through the narration. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, even from that first scene of her in the uh, the the bouncy castle, yeah, like we've just learned so much about her, and she is so thoroughly endearing, which is pretty important because she's the main character. Character, of this. yeah. All right, let's. Should we? Should we push forward? We're trying yes. to be time efficient. Cut to space, and we see a ship that looks like what would you say, like a drill bit? Yeah, sort kind of? of like a drill bit. That's what I was thinking. Uh, and a reminder: the the transitional narration was from the moment it's formed, a family is almost always under attack. And then we get the trick is figuring out which threats to deal with first. We cut to inside the ship. There's gunfire everywhere, dead bodies of robots and winged soldiers. A robot's yelling to another robot. He's got a hostage, a bloody baby. And we get someone calling. Well, they're calling back to command, whatever, uh, saying that we're under attack from uh, the the command says, you know, we're not picking up any other ships uh, in your flight path. And he says, God damn it. The enemy is on board. Cut back to the robots. One of them has a lion on its face roaring as he says, you colorless piece of shit. Uh, and then he gets blown in half <laughs> and we the dust settles. There's limbs on the ground. We see boots walking up, and we get this gorgeous, amazing, amazing splash. It is Dango. Uh, he is holding the Dango s- Unchained, baby. <laughs> Please, I'm I'm asking you go to another room. When I did this that. time. I did. <laughs> Just outside of your apartment, if possible. <laughs> next time, next time I will go out onto the balcony. <laughs> And he is holding a spinal cord with a severed head still attached to it. <laughs> and uh, he's holding he's holding an automatic weapon. He has a bunch of grenades uh, strapped to his belt. And then he has the the baby prince uh, sort of uh, swaddled, swaddled, strapped to his chest. And he has for the prince to watch. Uh, uh, it seems like a sort of puppet show. Yeah, like kids cartoon playing on his screen. So the juxtaposition of this little this children's cartoon show on his screen and the viscera that's taking up the rest of the the splash page is absolutely fantastic. And I just noticed he has a he has one little he has one feather sitting on his shoulder from one of the winged soldiers. He's coming towards the last soldier, uh, the winged soldier who is making the call. Uh, the wing soldier in his desperation says the creator in his in is in the hours and the minutes and the seconds. He shields us from all evil and is holding up what I assume to be some sort of Bible type thing. Uh, Dango just tosses the spinal cord head and says, uh-huh, and then shoots the guy in the face and then goes to the control panel of the ship and sets a new destination for Gardenia. It says, we're almost there to the little prince. And so Holy that's our fuck. crazy fucking action sequence for the middle of this. Yep, that's that's a jarring shift from what we've just seen. There is such a there is such an energy to this whole sequence. It's it's so cinematic. Like yeah. to to use a ten dollar word that we use a lot, but it's like it's so tropey in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like literally, I there is such a such a loudness 
to this yeah. in my head. Everything is read as as yelling, as screaming. Uh, I'm just hearing all of the the lasers flying and like yeah, the chaos ensuing, and then that dust settling is so cool. And it's really interesting because you you get all of this chaos mm-hmm. without any sound effects and without like the people the people aren't even like their uh their dialogue isn't even in caps like yeah it's yeah. just regular with exclamation points. But yeah. you just you are so aware of how loud and chaotic it is and you don't need a big like boom sound when you see the explosion yeah yeah and especially so two things i really want to point out here that is such interesting world building one it's so flawless so great is uh is him the the robot calling dango a colorless piece of shit Yep. Which says everything you need to know, especially like in terms of, of color. <laughs> like it, it's, it, it, it goes to show it's one of the most believable things about uh, this story is uh, how everyone will figure out a way to be racist no matter yep. what species you are, no matter how identical you are to anyone else. They will always find a way to be racist. And that's such a such a brilliant touch and also something that we have as far as i know we have not seen and that was uh the creator with a capital c yeah and i I, thought that was really interesting yeah and the book that the the book it's just a black book with this white symbol on it that looks sort of like maybe the top of a diamond like a cut diamond or something yeah or or more abstractly it could just be shapes like yeah, yeah, it's it's it has that sort of prismatic pattern to it. Of is it is it an octagon? How many sides? are No, there? I think Too it's I think it's a I think decagon. it's a decagon. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's we are seeing, and then it is in reference to time. It's is yeah is in the hours and the minutes and the seconds shields us from all evil. So that is the first sort of purely religious thing we've seen, and especially. I I would take a lot more meaning from this if it was a robot saying this that would yeah. fill me with such joy in in reference to the creator, but it's it's one of the wing soldiers that's doing this, so I I find that very fascinating. I also just love Dango's reaction to that. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Throwing the skull <laughs> of the dead comrade behind him. Yeah, I love his his fucking his amazing one-liners that are always so anticlimactic and non-one-linery but yeah so perfect and and this is another example of just like the how visceral the gore is in this scene is remarkable yeah and it serves such a good purpose with setting up the cartoon show happening on his face and then also that striking again with colors uh the baby is swaddled in this uh this cloth that is has just a bunch of it's a pink cloth with a bunch of rubber ducks on it. <laughs> it's so great. Uh but yeah, we'll come back to this scene uh later towards the end of the podcast for a certain reason. <laughs> Who knows why. Should we uh should we keep going anything else on this scene other than it's fucking know what know what the energy of this scene is? Mm. This is uh last scene in Rogue One energy. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. No, that's that. We'll we'll come 
we'll come back to this for a future segment in this episode but i'm i'm good now all right so then we get a uh we get an establishing shot uh we're outside of the rocket ship tree we cut inside and clara is sitting in the bath reading uh a nighttime smoke oh wait no not a nighttime smoke reading another d oswald heist book it is called um, hold on sand trapped and there's an hourglass yes. and a rose on it yes uh and she's reading sand trapped and talking to isabel um about how his books are really bad but she's reading them because she loved him and that's the way to honor him. <laughs> and then Alana comes in, says, cheer up. Guess who got a fat ass 4% raise today? <laughs> to which Isabel says, this is one of my favorite Isabel lines ever. <laughs> Me? Oh no, that's right. I'm an indentured servant. <laughs> Her face during that too, of just such feigned, yeah. the Like, I don't know how you do feigned excitement in like as a drawing but that's it it's so good uh and then clara says congratulations and says to tell marco to buy tell your house husband um <laughs> to buy better toilet paper she says it's worse than the glorified bark we had to use on the front lines and then alana responds yeah the trenches always look so beautiful in the snow and her eyes are kind of going different direction and very bloodshot. Mm -hmm. And she kind of hobbles off, hobbles through the hallways to her bedroom, looks looking for Marco. And from the shadows, Marco grabs her and says, fuck, I need you right now and starts kissing her. Uh, we get a splash page. Marco is buck ass naked. Mm -hmm. um, and Alana says, yes, sir, and starts to take her clothes off. And then they have sex as we uh, get a voiceover here. Hazel says, I'm going to read this whole voiceover because I think it's really important. Long before I was old enough for the talk mom told me about sex, she said she'd had lots of it in her life, but, was, but that married sex was probably her favorite. Still, mom also warned me not to expect fireworks like the ones in Mr. Heist's romance novels every time. Some nights, even two old friends deciding to get as close as humanly possible could still be worlds apart. Way to bring down the fucking mood, Hazel. Jesus. Jesus. Just let us watch yeah. your parents have sex. <laughs> yeah, just just voice over good narration as we're watching your parents fuck. <laughs> Okay, well, we have the tradition of of naming of naming the sex uh, in this. What's a name for foreboding sex? Um, For skin uh, boating? No, I'm gonna no, no. Let me let me find some synonyms for foreboding. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! I got it! I got it! Don't worry! I got it! Oh yeah, foreboning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are foreboding. <laughs> Oh uh, boy! Also, holy shit! Again, this is the first time we've really seen at least this bathroom, and it is the bathtub is in a hollowed out log with a like twisting branch yep. as the spigot, and the walls are grass. And I just want to just just run my hands across every surface of this goddamn rocket ship. I also really wanted to mention, I love the establishing shot that tells you you're at the rocket ship tree. It's such a, it's like a really kind of tight angle on the rocket ship tree with the sky in the background. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, we've talked about this a bit with planets and now you're seeing it with the tree too. Fiona Staples always has 
really kind of creative ways of composing these establishing shots, right? Yeah, yeah. So that like it's not the same boring shot of the rocket ship tree over and over again. Even though I'd never get bored looking at the rocket ship tree. Uh I'm starting to wonder cuz those those uh clouds Yeah. I think those aren't clouds. I think oh, you that think is they're debris. I think that's the the belt because in the previous yep. shot we see yep. that belt yep. and that is I how the moon right. looks to us is that sort of Yeah. You are completely right. Those are definitely like asteroid rocks floating around. That's fucking rad. Yeah. Now I want to go back to all the other shots of Gardenia and look for that. Yeah, I think this is I think this is a scene that really in a lot of ways speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just it's a, a brilliant example of a sex scene done right. Yeah. Um, done not just for the sex, but to drive the narrative and drive the characters forward, right? Yeah, and fucking also, again, my boy, shout out to Marco for being oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm horny now. I'm going to go have sex with my wife. And thank you. Yep. Oh, I thought you were just going to be like, shout out to Marco oh, for also, looking like he does. That ass, though. I love how yeah. they, they know exactly what we want splash pages of. It is Dango <laughs> holding a, a fucking wing person's spinal cord and dead ass. And that is you it. could bounce a fucking quarter off that ass. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Is there anything? Uh, I think the, the other thing that's worth noticing is in in one of the panels of the sex scene, that Alana's eyes are still, like, visibly bloodshot. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's important to also point out that it's very... We have, again, those... The candles where the candles themselves are... Yeah, yeah. I like to, I'd like to think that Marco, because those are not a part of the ship, I'd like to think that Marco lit some candles because he's the most romantic motherfucker or at least told the told the ship to light some candles <laughs> also little detail i didn't realize this the first couple times i read it there's marco's bandages bandage wrappings yeah, are yeah. sitting on the bed and and he's staring at them with i'm a, i mean it's very small but i'm assuming it, it paired with the voiceover uh could yeah. still be worlds apart like he's definitely thinking of his whole situation yeah. right now uh, yeah, but yeah. Also, then there's something very important here that we need to do, and that is I need to do a dramatic reading of this excerpt from. Oh yeah, Christ real quick. So <clears throat> I forgot about that. Uh, dim the lights at home, everyone. Light your luminescent candles. I guess all candles are inherently luminescent, but <laughs> go ahead and uh, do what you need to get in that right headspace for some art, some theater. Put put on some Marvin Gaye, please. Put on some Marvin Gaye, but then mute it immediately to enjoy as much of this as possible. Ahem. Wait, what's a good... <clears throat> I'm going to do a nice... I'm going to do my most poetic voice possible. She looked at her brother's bloodied oh, teeth <laughs> and finally accepted the truth. The only true revenge is forgiveness. I I I like that you think that like a, a sexy voice is oh, like I wasn't doing sexy. I was doing I was going full This is Shakespeare, my friend. Okay, I like that your Shakespeare voice is like Lord Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> that would I I could go a little more Harry. <laughs> she looked at her <laughs> brother's bloody teeth. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Oh, boy. Hey, that's a scene. Another one done. Another one in the bag. Uh, oh, it's Here my turn, go. isn't it? I fucking love this. Yeah, um, and I think I think you'll you'll take us through to the end yeah, here. Yeah, this is it. We're moving. So we get a gorgeous, idyllic establishing shot here of it. It seems like yeah. Can I be here? Yeah, for real. It seems like a sort of British countryside uh, on a beach, and we have a nice little cottage surrounded by flowers. And uh, in the in the sky, we see a massive uh, Saturn-like ringed planet and there's there's prince robot and his family playing on the beach they are very they're wearing very much sort of uh turn of the century british beach garb it looks like saga does pride and prejudice exactly he's got the the sexy open why is this hold on why is this the sexiest <laughs> what's it saying about me that just that that slight open collar <laughs> That a popped collar with <laughs> buttons, with way too many buttons undone is yeah. what you think is sexy. <laughs> Turns out I'm one of those Pride and Prejudice basic bitches. Uh, is that basic? I don't know. Anyway, he, he sees his family. There's Princess Robot there. There's their now a toddler child saying, Mommy got me a new bathing costume. Him and uh, Princess Robot have a bit of a back and forth about how that kid's not going to survive the school the schoolyard if he calls it a bathing costume. <laughs> it's great. And she says, if a fucking fop like you could survive the playground, so can a, that clever boy. And they reminisce about their second date and how <laughs> the, uh, he decided he wanted to put a baby in her that night, but the most he managed was his middle digit. <laughs> he says just softening the ground for future invasion and this is making me angry we did not get way more conversations between these two so they're they're just having a nice day at the beach and she says there's something i need to say and as he says what is it love an alarm bell goes off on his screen and suddenly we get a shot of uh the lizard assistant mama son's lizard assistant using I believe something we've seen before. I think it was used to. Yeah, we saw the rat use it, didn't we? Uh, the who? The oh, little yeah. like no, mouse hamster exactly thing it. that exploded yep. into a pile of yeah, guts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that little cute. It thing. is. It is. It, so we know it's some kind of medical device. Uh, I'm guessing like adrenaline because he stabs it into his neck and suddenly Prince Robot wakes up with a scream. Uh, and we see Mama Sun there with the with the three women that uh, Prince Robot was with, and her little her little lizard friend dressed like Aladdin, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Not even pretty much dressed exactly like Aladdin. <laughs> sash across the stomach. So she says uh, it's sextillion policy to not interfere with guests, but my legal counsel here has advised me. They they tell him that his wife has has been killed. He says, sorry. And uh, they point out that I'm afraid your people are still looking for the assassin. Thankfully, they have every reason to believe your son is alive. He says, I have a son. And point out it's a male heir. He says, when the hell was he born? Mama's son looks down, uh, sort of ashamed, saying 21 days ago. And we get a nice shot of Prince Robot just sort of cocking his head. Uh, and then we get one more splash page 
which is so we are what on splash page number five this issue yep. <laughs> or four and we know we still have one more coming because yeah. it always ends on a splash and it is prince robot just blasting a hole right through the center of mama's son with his blaster arm uh and then everyone is screaming and looking on in shock uh the lizard he points the blaster at the lizard lizard says don't i have children i'm begging you father to father and then prince robot realizes father uh he says he'll know how to fix this make everything right again and then we get our final splash of prince robot's screen it is of a human eye with a sewing needle through the pupil oh and he says i have to see king robot Few words have brought me so much joy in my life. Few oh images have brought me such little joy in my life. <laughs> the uh I just there's a lot to talk about in this scene. Yeah. I think I think we should go back to the English countryside yes. and talk it through from there. Yeah. So first of all, shout out to this is a this is a color scheme we have not seen before in this book. And yeah. it is it's all muted pastels and it is amazing how before any other before seeing any other panels in this i it immediately evoked british countryside yeah yeah and just like like crisp nostalgia yeah yeah for sure like that it's it's sort of slightly sepia i i I think it's really really kind of interesting now that this is um the second not even the second time but the second character uh that is having kind of romantic flashbacks of a dead partner. I mean, he doesn't know she's dead yeah. yet. Well, also, but... it can't be a flashback, too, because they have a kid. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I guess fantasies. Yeah, yeah not yeah. so much. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, because and, and, and because the Will has also had several fantasies yeah. about his yeah. dead ex-lover. Yeah. I'm sensing, a, a, I'm sensing a consistency amongst their pursuers here. Yep. Uh, maybe they'll find common ground. I'm just I'm saying things to throw people off now cuz I don't even <laughs> I don't even remember if that's true. But yeah, no. I I love how this is honestly such a like like for for my neutral milk milk hotel video I've been chipping away on. Oh my god, uh, yeah. They there's I mean because the the famous cover of their in an airplane over the sea uh, is actually an altered form of a turn of the century British postcard, and this is this is exactly that down to the the striped yep. the red and white striped uh, uh, bathing, bathing costume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I also just in this love how jarring uh, the bright red and yellow of Prince Robot's screen when the alarm bell goes on. Uh, it is brilliant. I love the way that the alarm looks like an eye. Yep. It looks like a, like as if it's such a perfect image to take him out of a dream that this arm yeah. bell, alarm bell uh, is, is looks exactly like a wide open eye. And it is the most sort of cacophonous colors. And so, yeah, so different from everything else in this scene uh, is so brilliant. But also really quick, I do want to point out how cool it is. Because there is such an attention to detail here. Um, the fact that, if you remember when we saw that mobile hanging above the prince's crib oh, yep. when it when it was born, and we were introduced to the robot kingdom, uh, we saw that it was a dwarf planet uh, circling a Saturn-like planet. 
And so we have that consistency. I Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's so true. Such attention to detail. Uh, Very cool. I just, I just, I want to live in that cottage. That yeah. might, that might actually go up to like possibly number one on my saga places that I want to be. Oof. Yeah, uh, I'd say it's a solid three for me. I still love the lighthouse. I still love the rocket ship tree. But just like I, I want to hear that ocean. Like yeah. it is, it is in that that side of that plant. I this does dethrone the beach uh, office for me for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then and and then because of how washed out the color palette is, when you cut to sextillion, it is so jarring. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is all very deep. Uh, sort of almost gem tones. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost like it's it's the opposite, right? Yeah, Instead yeah, of yeah. this bright washed out, you have these deep, heavy contrast stuff. Yeah, right? and still no beyond, beyond. I guess no. Even that red is very washed out on the on the bathing suit. Like there's virtually no primary colors here. It is all yeah purples and and uh and orangish reds and yeah very effective and and then the uh again again just the way that fiona staples is able to make like for emote Mm -hmm. um yeah like like if you look at him saying i have a son his head is in the same position as the tilt Mm -hmm. but he's clearly has like a different thought in his head and he's clearly emoting differently right Mm -hmm. yeah um and then oh go ahead i knew I knew what this next page was when I saw yeah. when I saw that shot of him tilting his head, which is not threatening at all. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it is for him. But like inherently, it is not threatening. I knew. Oh, she's fucking dead. She's done. Also, can we I literally just noticed this. Can we talk about how the lizard's tail yep. falls off? Yep. It pops off, which is which is a <laughs> if, if for anyone that doesn't know lizards, they have it is like built into their genes because that if they're shocked or if they're in danger, their tails will fall off and then grow I had back no again. Idea. Yeah. And, and that is, that is a survival tactic that is like sort of, if they get snatched by their tail, uh, they oh, can, yeah. then their tail can just fall off. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, no, fun fact, I've read this issue uh, probably before now, I'd say maybe three times. And then today was my fourth. And then with the, uh, and then I always like skim through again to see if there's any background stuff I missed. Still didn't see it. Uh, And then when I was going through a third time to figure out what my favorite moment was, then I noticed, first of all, because you (laughs) see the tail on the, the floor, in the yeah, next, writhing the around. Page. Yeah, and and I was like, wait a second, what's this? And then I noticed it. So it took me seven times. To I literally that. just noticed it just now as I was about to say something completely different about this panel. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing detail. The uh, I just love the the composition of this panel. It feels like like a Renaissance painting, and it's just so like. He's so calm and just terrifyingly calm yeah. and casual about just takes his arm cannon out and blows a hole through her chest. Like there's no there's no rage, there's no you did this, there's no I'm gonna kill you. It's just bam. Yeah. Cold, calculated, and I have never been more terrified of Prince Robot 
uh, as I am in this moment. Yeah, especially, like, and that is such a good sort of wake-up call of, like, oh, yeah, he is he the one thing that ties him to this earth at this point is is that child now and yeah he is now like it he the child is taken hostage and i cannot imagine what he is about to do to get that child back so yeah Ugh. it's exciting stuff and also i love whatever the fuck i sincerely have no idea what it says about their relationship but i love whatever it implies about the relationship with his father of uh and i'm sure it's relatable for a lot of people that yep. when thinking of his father it's an eyeball with a needle through it like one of the most excruciating <sighs> just to think about to see whatever uh images imaginable it's so visceral and it's so fucking beautiful fiona staples is incredible yeah yeah it's a good scene. <sighs> it's a good. This is a good fucking issue. All right. Do you, do you have a favorite moment? Uh, it's the Dango Splash. Uh, yeah. I, I just I want to point out how, again, the thing that Saga I think does possibly the best of all the things I love about Saga. The thing I'm most consistently uh, appreciative of is the fact that this is such an absurd image. The baby on him. The the children yeah. show on his screen. And then everything else is so comically like it's straight out of a fucking predator film. Yeah. And that juxtaposition there and it's and it is it hits all those boxes of that makes a great saga splash for me, which is absurd, surprising and makes perfect sense. 100 percent justified i also love that we didn't mention this he's splattered in both blue and red yes. blood yeah that's great to use those criterion that would have been my favorite moment because i can't pick that i will pick the robot murdering um mama son page and i would say that that is also absurd mm -hmm. um it's also like hilarious with the lizard popping his yeah. popping his tail off and it's also completely brutal and it makes complete sense yeah and also we didn't talk about mama son's been such a fucking heel this whole series yeah because this yeah. is the same person that that went to such great lengths to keep the will from taking uh taking who we now know as sophie and yeah so this is this is an earned death this is not someone i yep. will mourn or miss well, and, and that's what I really love about it, too, is that it's not this, like, heroic, tragic death that yeah. Mama Sun goes out just, like, hunched over with pure shock in her eyes. It's such a, it's such a satisfying, like, like, ugly death for an ugly character. Yeah, yeah. What about, what about a uh, song? Do you have a song in mind for this one? Um, I... Like, honestly, what comes in mind is whatever the music playing during the Vader scene in Rogue One is, <laughs> I, that's what comes in mind. Uh, I believe that is called the Imperial March. <laughs> well, it's it, it's not actually like it's is a specific it? like it's 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 not exactly the Imperial March. OK, well, I'm I'm happy to I'm, I'm pumped to have that on the playlist. Uh, you know, I was trying to come up with a song for the dream sequence of them on the oh beach. yeah and then i thought well what's more idyllic than uh dream a little dream uh and then <laughs> i was like yeah there are so many I, I actually went on spotify 
started looking at like all the different versions. I was like, yeah, of course, Ella Fitzgerald is brilliant. I love the Louis Armstrong one. There's a great cover done for Boardwalk Empire, which is worth checking out. But then I saw that Eddie Vedder covered it. So, oh, on uke? Uh, on a ukulele? On or, ukulele. On, yeah. We get a nice Eddie Vedder cover of Dream a Little Dream. And I it was just, it was, it was too close to being like me putting a sincerely great song on there. So I'm just going to go with, I'm going to go with the safer bet, the more me bet, which is Dream a Little Dream by Eddie Vedder. <laughs> go ahead and add that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Once again, this playlist, once again, just two very, very different <laughs> vibes. The first time in history ever anyone will ever listen to back to back. The soundtrack of Vader, Vader just cutting down so many rebel soldiers and... <laughs> Fucking dream a little dream. We might actually be the first people to listen to Dream a Little Dream by Eddie Vedder, but definitely in that <laughs> order. Uh, oh my god. My favorite Eddie Vedder cover of all is this question theme. My favorite Eddie Vedder cover of all is actually uh his cover of Heart Sun. Well, that's what I just played. So. Oh, that's good to know. So. I'm glad I I'm glad that we'll be demonetized and sued and <laughs> Oh no, we won't make money from this. Do you do you have did you have a question in mind? I I think I actually do. I think uh we get like a fleeting fleeting glimpse of literally just a book and one line mm-hmm. of this religion. Oh yeah, sand what do you... trapped, right? Oh no, 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 no. The uh, book, oh. the other book. The, oh the well, that that would also be yeah yeah the the they're like Bible. What do you infer about the religion from that one line? Which I'll remind you now, so you don't need to go back and look. Yeah, the Creator is in the hours and the minutes and the seconds. He shields us from all evil, and it's like it doesn't look like a very thick book. Like huh. it's a pretty thin book with like kind of a diamond or decagonal shape prism shape on it. Yeah, what do you yeah what do you infer about the religion from and that? That that also just. I also think it's very interesting that that is uh, a winged uh, soldier who who is following this religion and that there is such a thinking about like because that invokes the precision of clocks for me and also that cover, uh, you know, evokes a lot about the precision of maybe cutting a gem or that perfect mm. symmetry. Mm-hmm. And then this is also the culture that is much more technologically advanced and not at all in tune with nature as the other culture. So I think there's there's already a lot of interesting things to go off of here. And the uh, that also, though, like that led me to another question, which is what do you think Sandtrapped is about? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's make those our two questions. Yeah, like Inf- infer everything you can about two books that you get a panel, two panels each on, actually. Yep, yep. Should be good. Uh, all right, and I am, and that'll that'll do it for us. Uh, if you want to answer one of those questions, uh, or both of them, please uh, go check out either the pinned tweet on the on the Twitter account or the pinned comment on this the the YouTube version of this. Also, really quick, uh, apologies to anyone who watches the YouTube version. Uh, usually, we do animated panels, and you probably notice that this episode does not have an animated panel that is looping throughout the video. And it's just a matter of where we're our our schedules are becoming crazier. Mine is definitely uh, becoming more packed, and uh, and we've been getting a lot more people who are listening who have gone from the YouTube videos 
to just listening on the podcast app, which is totally understandable because that's how you do it as a human who who wants to just listen to a non-visual thing. But we will still on occasion have animated panels, but those are going to be more special occasion-y. Uh, but yeah, go check out. I'm really I'm really happy. Last week we did the uh, the drug sequence. I did a quick yeah. animation for. And by quick, I mean it took a full day. But go check out that one because that one. But was a here's lot of the other thing that I'm going to say, John. Yes. Um, wouldn't you just love to see that dango panel animated? Uh, wouldn't you love to see me punching <laughs> you in the goddamn face animated? <laughs> Actually, yeah, that'd be really cool. I already draw those in my spare time, so. <laughs> what spare time? <laughs> That's true. Uh, hey, hey, Noah, where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube at Watch Poly... Nope, you can find me on YouTube at Polyphonic. Uh, I just, I just finished up... My series of, well, the last one will be coming out this week of five artists who defined the decade. It was fucking exhausting. Um, It was a ton of fun to make, but they are some of the longest, most intense videos I've ever done. So if you want to hear me talk about Beyonce or Kendrick Lamar for 20 minutes, go check that out. I'm pumped for the Kendrick one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just finished it today. It's it's phenomenal. Nice. Um, also check me out on Instagram at Watch Polyphonic uh, and on Twitter at Watch Polyphonic. Closing in on 5,000 subscribers. So, you know, okay. check it out. Nice. Not called subscribers there, but sure. Um, followers. <laughs> you know, it's all the same. It's it, Followers is much more appropriately cult-like. Uh, I'm going to say, what do I want to boost? I don't know. Go check out some old... What's a good old video of mine? Because Lord knows I don't have new ones to boost. You've got this video about Saga. They've seen that shit already. Uh, Act- I'm gonna the say, Spielberg one. You know what? No, no, no. I'm going to say fucking go watch my Jackie Orms video. That is disastrously oh, yeah. underwatched. And it yeah, is yeah. by far like my favorite video I've done and is gorgeous. Talk about if you like the if you like the color palette of that dream sequence here, uh, a little more saturated, but very much of those nice pastels throughout is the, the color palette for the Jackie Orms video. So go check that out. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for you to see it because it's great uh hey and also thank you to fiona staples brian k vaughn photographics and image comics for giving us five of the best splash pages that have ever existed good on you noah how do we want to end this one i actually want you to sign it off but in your lord voldemort voice <laughs> i'm gonna go with my, my very poetic reading of this bi shitting <laughs> disperse with ye <laughs> Bye. Is this your D&D voices? I can't. It would be if I could maintain that longer than five seconds. (laughs) I'm wrecked now.